Set a spark to your integrated business and marketing strategies with America's top entrepreneurs and business leaders here at Integrate and Ignite with your host, Lori Jones. Welcome to the Integrate and Ignite podcast. From the legends of ancient mythology to today's comic book superheroes, humans have long fantasized about gaining the power to see the future. While he may not have a crystal ball yet, Andy Rossmeisel has gotten scarily close to realizing the dream. Today, Andy is going to share insights on how to harness the awesome power of AI-powered predictive analytics to give your business an edge over the competition. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thanks so much for having me, Lori. I'm so excited to be chatting about this. It's such an important topic and everyone is talking about AI and everyone I think is probably very confused about AI as well. Um, And, you know, realizing that they're using it, even though they don't know they are. Uh, Before Mm -hmm. we get there and really dive into all of this, uh, tell us a little bit about your journey and uh, what brought you to not only this very, very vertical passion that you have, but also, you know, the business and, and where you are. Sure. Yeah. No. It's it was a circuitous path uh, indeed, and we actually got started ten years ago this month um, at Faraday. So celebrating That's a bit great. of a birthday now. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Congratulations. <laughs> it's been a wild ride. You know, we we started out. Um, people are very often surprised to hear this, but we started out actually as a company solely focused on helping solar companies find new customers. And um, it's because of a a passion the founders here have around climate change. And um, we developed a pretty novel way of using AI to to find, you know, homeowners who would be likely to put solar on the roof. And uh, we ended up taking that technology and now use it with with hundreds of brands um, really across every vertical you can imagine. That's really cool. And, you know, one of the The areas that I think that is very, very important here is even though we're talking a very, very futuristic um, point of view uh, regarding where AI is taking us without, you know, the past and what's presently happened, we really can't talk about the future. Provide us your POV on where AI sits uh, along the transom here. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, the the thing I think the key thing to understand about AI is that statistically speaking, the past really is the present. You know, it's not to say that nothing about your brand is is going to change. You'll have new customers, new products, you'll have new marketing. This all creates change, but um, the way to see it is, you know, putting a finger or two on the scale, right? I mean, the same intrinsic behaviors that have you know guided people toward your brand or away from it in in the past are going to frankly continue to do so in the future and something that we all don't like to believe but is irrefutably true is that people our behaviors are 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 very predictable so you know when people talk about the power to see the future that's definitely um an admirable goal but i think the biggest power is an ability to clearly see the past and to learn from it and then to learn, you know, to use what you learn to to shape the future. So, you know, maybe there's a certain group of people that, you know, as you look backwards, you see have, you know, a high AOV or they tend to buy products that have great margins for you. Their behaviors are not likely to change much going forward, but your actions as a brand 
can prioritize this group. And, you know, that's how we shape the future really by, by learning from the past, um, which is, I think is, is a much bigger deal than just seeing the future. I certainly agree. And, and, and I, you know, in its very, you know, beginnings, AI really started with the IBM tool, correct? Um, sure. Yeah. Watson early yeah, on. Yeah. Watson and Watson um, seemed so just out there and almost robotic from the standpoint <laughs> of what it ultimately could do. And if we take a look at Watson and every you know software hardware company out there that not only is incorporating AI into their methodology, but selling AI solutions for us marketers to ultimately gain insights on, it's truly remarkable in a very, very short time frame on where we've come with it. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. And IBM obviously really paved the way. But I, I will say that, you know, it, it's it's a double-edged sword because, you know, by anthropomorphizing, you know, the AI into this sort of Watson creation and and trying to convey the sense that it's sort of all seeing, all knowing Oracle, just brilliant, you know, software genius. You know, it, I think it maybe started to build in an, an, a misleading mental model for people. Um, you know, the reality um, is that the AI that is practically useful today in most use cases for your listeners is tremendously dumb. Um, you know, it is it is the most simplistic algorithms you can imagine that have been around for decades. They just get applied incredibly quickly in parallel by huge computers so that the idea that you're making 99.9999% mistakes is essentially a moot point. <laughs> you know, right. as long as <laughs> as long as enough repetition eventually yields some kind of insight and signal. Um, and, and I think that that mental model is, is really important. You know, it's, it's a tool just like any others and understanding a little bit how, about how your car works, is going to help you be a better driver. Absolutely. Where do you feel most leaders, whether it be sales or marketing are getting AI wrong? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a simple answer for me. You know, the, again, the thing about AI is it's, it's all based on data from the past. And I think for your listeners, it's going to be no surprise that the past for many people has been a pretty mixed bag, right? There's in, entire populations out there that have faced systematic discrimination in, in many dimensions. And all of that discrimination is extremely apparent in the data, not just to humans, but to machines. So, you know, leaders, who are taking the right step, which is to apply AI to their business, but who do that without recognizing it and adjusting for it, which frankly, not many people have time to do, they're going to perpetuate that injustice and, and they're not going to realize it, but it doesn't mean that they're not you know, complicit. So just to give a concrete example, um, you know, we work with a lot of brands who, you know, sell products to homeowners. So uh, new roofs or security systems, even solar to go back to our original use case. Um, and when machine learning algorithms look at all this historical data and try to identify people who are going to be likely to become customers, for example, or leads that are likely to close, they're going to look at a history which, you know, has oppressed um, different racial classes in um, in homeownership. 
you know, mm-hmm. red, redlining, maybe you've heard of, you know, banks withholding mortgages, things like that, going back many years. And as a result of all that discrimination, you know, homeownership rates around, among Black and Hispanic populations is, it's not, I mean, it's not as bad as half, but it's pretty close to half for others. And as a result, the machine learning algorithm is going to say, well, geez, you know, it's these, this one group of people is, is much more likely to be a homeowner and therefore much more likely to be a customer. And so I'm going to focus all my attention on, on that group. So it's, you know, it's, it's obviously a, a mistake that many people could easily make and, and without, you know, intending to, but it's something we have to keep in mind. And just as kind of an interesting side note, the, the way to mitigate that kind of bias is basically to, to Photoshop the past. So you, you go back and you, you know, rebalance the data to reflect what the world should have been. Um, from a justice standpoint, and then you show that fantasy version of history to the algorithms, and the algorithms will take over from there and understand that you know that's the way things should be, and essentially take things like race out of the equation. Don't you think that is how uh, you know when we bought media, you know, decades ago, we take a look at household incomes, we take a look at females twenty five fifty four. They were very very broad strokes. <laughs> When yeah. it came to, you know, really understanding the market. Now that we've got the intuitive, now that marketers have become smarter and we've got more detail and data at our fingertips, we're looking more at behaviors. Yeah. Um, so I think organically the industry has been able to move away from what's, you know, some of that systematic racism. It could have been perceived as that in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the tools that we had at our fingertips. When we're, you know, of, of the 1,200 brands that we've worked on, you know, we've never been involved in a conversation that was race-based. It was more behavioral-based, Yeah. Um, which provides, and, and again, we're, you know, a medium-sized agency. We're not on Madison Avenue. And I think that's where a lot of those conversations and those multinational firms are having those conversations um, about really, uh, you know, being able to make sure that it doesn't happen for us. It's just organic. You know, it's never been a topic because the clientele isn't there. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, that's definitely step one, right? And you know, at Faraday, for example, we, you know, we don't, you know, although we have data about race, which we use for bias mitigation, we don't allow clients to use that and we don't, you know, expose it to the algorithms. But, you know, the important thing to understand is that we operate as marketers, we operate in a world of proxies, right? If if right. in a perfect world, we would have a literal survey for the entire population of the world, um, like a census. And one of the questions would be like, how excited are you to buy product X? <laughs> and we our job would be done for us because we would know exactly who wants to buy our product. But instead, we have to use proxies and behavior, you know, behaviors are proxies, demographic segments are proxies. And, you know, the, the way you choose those, those proxies is going to, um, is going to, to bias your, your outreach, your engagement or your activation or whatever you're trying to do. And in fact, the selection of those proxies to begin with, whether it's AI assisted or just common sense is going to reflect some sort of bias. And so just being aware of that and knowing that there are tools like Faraday and others that can 
help you very, very easily without any sort of complex work, um, adjust and decide what you want to do as a brand with regard to bias and, and hit a button to make it go away or, or something else. So how do you, how do, I, I know how, but what is the impact on the bottom line here? The smarter we can get with AI, um, the more adept we are to marketing to people who truly have the propensity to mm -hmm. want to purchase. Um, how is that affecting the bottom line for those that are very astute with AI solutions versus those who are just dipping their toes into it through the real basics of Facebook advertising or, you know, something like that? Right. I mean, the uh, you said this in the intro, but AI is everywhere. And, you know, you at this point, you can't really reach a customer or a prospective customer without going through probably several layers of AI you don't even know are there. Right. Um, right. There's there's AI that is being used probably in some sort of customer insights analysis that your agency is doing to, you know, identify interesting features that you may layer into your creative production. Um, there's AI certainly used for, you know, on the meta platform or others to select your audience, but then also subsequently used to identify which people in that audience are going to actually engage with the, with the ad. And I mean, it's, it's, it's layer upon layer of AI. So to some extent, I think it'd be hard these days as a, as a brand to, to not, you know, to not be using AI in, in many different ways, but the best brands are the ones who are, um, you know, walking the dog rather than than being walked. And it's it's about understanding where AI is being used, making sure that it's being used in the right way. And I don't just mean this from the you know the the bias standpoint, but genuinely from a, a semantic standpoint. You know, what one of the things that we always encourage people to do even before you get into any implementation or any discussion of technical concepts is really got to ask the right question. What very specifically and precisely from a scientific lens are, are you actually trying to predict, you know? And so to use your example, Lori, like, oh, we're trying to find more customers. That's great. And it's a great place to start. But I promise you that if I sat with you for not you, but one of your listeners for an hour, we would get into a very deep philosophical conversation about what the word customer even means. Right. You know, you, you, you may be, let's say you're a furniture brand and, um, you know, you have um, a lot of people who order, you know, who order fabric samples before they buy. And those fabric samples are free. Right. But they show up in your e-commerce system because that's how fulfillment happens. And so if your answer for what what constitutes a customer is, oh, somebody who, you know, initiated a transaction, um, you're going to get a lot of people who, frankly, aren't customers. And then let's say you have a free returns policy. Right. And you you're dealing with, you know, the the nightmare that that can be. But um, if again, if you're just using anybody who's consummated transaction as a customer, then, you know, if you've got a 20 percent return rate. Um, then, you know, you're including a lot of people you absolutely do not want to find more of. Right. And then, you know, what if, what if there's gift giving involved and, you know, you would be, you'd be shocked at, at how, um, I'm sure you have these conversations yourselves with your, yourself, with your clients, but the, the level of sophistication you really have to get to, to truly describe your business in extremely precise terms. It's something that a, a lot brands don't do and they don't. Um, 
luckily AI is a good excuse to get them to do that, but I think it's helpful for a lot of reasons. It really is peeling back that that onion is the mm-hmm. the metaphor that we use. And and you've got something very interesting within your solution that's called the identity graph, which mm-hmm. I think would be um, interesting to bring up at this point in the conversation, because it really ties into what you're talking about with peeling back the onion mm-hmm. and understanding the combination of the data that you might be putting on the date on the table with the combination of the client data and really defining propensity at that stage, who has the propensity to act on what it is that we want them to do. Yeah. You know, a mistake that a lot of um, folks make when they're first starting out, you know, with prediction is they, um, they think that they can make valuable predictions off the data that they have already themselves. And to some extent, you know, that they're not wrong. You know, you can, for example, and people do this and have done for a long time, even without machine learning, but understand that people who come in um, as a new customer, say from a certain channel are likely to have a higher spend than folks coming from another channel or people who first buy during Black Friday, Cyber Monday are maybe likely to be less great, robust customers going forward. There's predictions we're always making here, right? But it's it's tricky and, you know, using really thinking through that process um you know it when all you have to go off of is your own data uh can can really present an obstacle and so what we do here at Faraday is incorporate a, a huge amount of, of very rich data on on every person every adult in the US and that data is sourced responsibly from opt-in permission licensed sources where all of that um you know, permissioning is, is handled, um, on an ongoing basis, um, and, and audited. And that allows our clients to solve the cold start problem where they, you know, for example, don't know anything about a new lead that's just come in or really develop a richer picture of customers they've maybe had for years, but haven't truly understood. Right. You know, as you're explaining all this, um, I'm thinking of personas and the importance of them, but I'm also reflecting on the probably the errors that are made within persona development and probably people starting them way too early in the process and going to market with personas that may never have the propensity to, to buy or to, to act. Yeah. Personas are an interesting thing because they are... Um, they're on the one hand, they seem very simple. Um, on the other hand, they're extremely hard to, to, to do in practice, but, um, it turns out that the hardest challenge isn't necessarily technical. It's actually political. Um, you know, you have, um, you know, executives at a, at a brand large or small who have very specific ideas about who they want their customer to be. And, um, they're, you know, if, if you are, you know, if you're too intuitive about your, persona creation, you're going to reflect your own bias and you're going to want to believe that, for example, all your customers are young and beautiful and wealthy or something like that. And, you know, when in reality, your strongest performers are are probably, probably not that. And so the first challenge we have often is saying, all right, look, we're going to turn over control for how we produce um, personas for your brand to a computer. And you may not like what you see, but it is empirically correct. 
And you, if, if you can sort of step back and erase your expectations, you're going to get a lot, a lot more out of this than if you choose to do battle with, um, you know, uh, an algorithm that isn't, doesn't have an agenda at all. <laughs> well, and, and you bring up such a good point. We refer to it as context, right? So on, on one hand, if you've got customer A, um, on one hand, they've got, yes, they're, they're thinking about, you know, product, you know, that they're interested in. It could be anything, but they've got societal issues, legislative issues, trends, mm. the media conversation, the industry that they work within, you know, everything happening to them, you know, before work, after work, you know, managing all these different things, which become context, right? And then they're interacting with a brand um, and they're learning about the brand on the other hand, and they're learning about the mission and the vision and their POV and their track record and products and technology and the business model and all these sort of things. And what happens in most situations is brands go to market um, with everything in the right hand and they don't take into consideration the context in which that person accomplishes whatever it might be that they want to help impact. And, and then they're going to market with messaging, um, with strategy that really is not going to work as well for them because they haven't taken both elements of that into consideration. And that's, I think, where, where the data that you're putting on the tata, table from an AI standpoint really helps get to that context, to that behavior um, that so many brands just move beyond. They don't even consider it. It's exactly right. You know, data can be the most misleading thing in the world because you can, you know, take a cursory look at data, um, especially very narrow data, meaning very few dimensions of understanding you have over a population. And you can draw conclusions um, that, you know, may say, oh, well, it looks like people in this group are more likely to act or people in this other group. But, you know, you could kind of, you could kind of tell that it's not an entirely clear, but you sort of go with it when in reality, what you need to be doing is rotating your camera into a new dimension and you need to understand, <laughs> well, actually it all depends on whether or not there's kids in the house or there's no kids in the house. And, you know, it, that, that kind of, um, aha moment, it, first of all, it's very difficult to do as a human, because you'd have to literally consider all of these analyses in, hundreds of successive dimensions. Um, and that's, that's uh, impossible for us to visualize, uh, to start out with, which is the best way of, of approaching this, but also just would be very tedious to, to try to do analytically computers can do it very fast. They don't, they don't have concepts of the fact that three dimensions is what we experience our life in. And so they can, they can throw out, you know, prejudice, they can throw out, um, bad intuitions and they can just get right to the heart of things um, very, very quickly. Yeah, I love that. You know, um, analysis by paralysis, I, I, I think <laughs> is one of those areas that really comes into play here. And there are so many ways and tools out there that can really help you predict uh, with far more intelligence um, than, you know, we can take a look at. And oh my gosh, talk about the time savings. Um, that's That's incredible. But where do you feel... This, you know, where do you feel most brands are inhibited by success uh, when it comes to prediction? 
And what should they be thinking about to make sure they set themselves up for success? Yeah, you know, it's AI is very tantalizing and it's very tempting because you can, you know, Google like, how do I predict this or that? And it's going to present you with a, you know, very exciting looking checklist of things to do and data to get and steps to take and commands to run and code to execute. And so for a lot of curious people, which which we, you know, seem seems to be what marketers are in general. It, you know, it can it can seem like a fun challenge to do over a weekend, and so to some <laughs> so to some extent, it, you know, our curiosity gets gets in our own way because the reality is that even when you follow all those steps, um, you know, there's it's very easy to make mistakes. That you know, we've talked about mistakes that are disastrous for society, but you know, even let's say if you don't you didn't care so much about that there's, it's very easy to make mistakes that are bad for your brand. You could, you could end up making predictions. For example, you could come to the end of your process and, you know, the, the, the performance indicator on your, on your ML tool turns green and it says you've got 99% accuracy. And you can just say, Oh my God, I am a <laughs> genius. I've hit the jackpot. When in reality, you, without realizing it, have included some detail in your training data that allowed the algorithm to essentially cheat. And there's just, without having a really sophisticated understanding of what you're doing, not just the steps you're performing, I mean, I've made the mistake so many times myself, and I've been working in this field for a long time that I can just tell you uh, that's what's going to get in your way. It's going to be yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just staying, trying to stay ahead of it all, I think is half the battle because marketers are so, uh, you know, we like to believe that we anticipate need, um, that we're not reactive, but at the end of the day, there are constant things that happen day in and a day out that we, we can't predict and we've got to be reactive too. So at least taking, um, you know, the steps toward, uh, that prediction, I think is very, very important here. What um, you have so many incredible clients um, that you work with day in and day out and really, really impact the bottom line on or top line. You know, what is one of the the great case studies that you talk about often um, that, you know, is a good reason to ultimately taking a stronger look at production? Yeah, you know, I think a, a lot of um, marketers recently have turned in a new eye to um, prediction and the opportunities there because of what has happened recently with with the iOS update and with upheaval in on the meta platform and just an ability to get a positive ROAS out of traditional advertising that you in some cases have been doing for years. And so they start to look with more curiosity at what is maybe their biggest asset, which is their existing customers and trying to understand Okay, maybe now, maybe I need to take a take a breather. You know, throwing too much money at at new customer acquisition, and look what I can do with my house list. And in in many cases, what marketers have done for quite a long time is they they put folks on a newsletter or a drip, or they you know send promotions out, and they treat their customers um, monolithically, which makes sense. They hey, they've all decided to be your customer, so that unites all of them, right? But something I'm sure your your clients are very familiar with is is personalization. There's a lot of ways to do that, um, and certainly you can personalize based on items they they've bought in the past or the time of of day they tend to shop or you know there's any number of ways you can do this um, deterministically. But 
when you're ready to take the leap toward toward probabilistic personalization, the thing to to do is to organize your your customers into into personas algorithmically, and then to really understand um, you know what makes each persona tick, and to develop variants of all of your outreach. So a small number of personas, three, four, five different personas. So the variants aren't huge, and you can just be a different subject line, or you can use a slightly different photograph or a different offer, but very basic rudimentary um, personalization like that. Um, we're working with one of our favorite brands right now, Home Goods Space. Um, they found they found a 30% lift in, wow. in email conversion the minute, the day that they they rolled out. And it, it's it sounds it sounds like a lot of work, but it's really not. It's it's just a, a few different tweaks to kind of, you know, speak to each persona more precisely, and that's all it takes. Because we all get a lot of email, even if we love the brand, we're very busy people. But if you can use that message that speaks to each persona, it, it really is very powerful, and it's and it's not that hard to do. Yeah, I love that. I mean, okay, so what is the best starting point uh, for someone? who may not, you know, let's say they're in the entrepreneurial space, um, they've got an ARR um, that's beginning, um, but they're a neophyte when it comes to the tools available to them to be able to really implement a, a great program. Where should they start? Uh, yeah, I, I would be re- I would be remiss if I didn't say the Faraday is really the best place to start, you know, we're a prediction <laughs> We're a prediction platform for brands. You know, all we're not for data scientists. You just tell us in very plain terms, very business specific terms, like what kinds of things you're trying to predict. And all of the machine learning, model building, evaluation, feature engineering, all that stuff happens automatically behind the scenes on a continuous basis. And Faraday acts as infrastructure that just continuously deploys predictions out to your stack, your CDP, your ESP, your e-commerce platform. It just makes tools you love work better. If if you really are, if you have that DIY spirit and you really have taken the time to avoid the pitfalls, the best, I think the best low-level machining machine learning platform out there these days is is on the Google Cloud. So the the Vertex product they have, which is very sophisticated, um, but it's even easier to use if you're on the BigQuery data warehouse already. They've already built it in uh, BigQuery ML. Uh, it's very basic, straightforward um, queries you can perform right in BigQuery that they get you predictions very quickly. Well, it's a very cool conversation that we've had today, Andy. It's all about making informed decisions, right? Yeah. And we've got so much information at our fingertips, and we're probably using a minute amount of it um, that we could deploy to ultimately Mm -hmm. help, um, our clients grow in any way, um, that, you know, if it's customer count, if it's acquisition, if it's uh, top line revenue, if it's, you know, a better CTR, whatever it might be, there are lots of great, great ways to make that happen. Uh, Faraday is a great starting point as you have, um, talked about today. We really appreciate your insights, your smarts, your wisdom. It it's a technical topic. And I think the biggest area that marketers need to understand is to not be afraid of it, Um, that there are so many opportunities out here to just get smarter and wiser with tools like this. And, And we really appreciate you sharing your insights today. Thanks so much for having me on. We appreciate it. Thank you for your appearance on the Integrate and Ignite podcast. This episode is complete, but the inspiration has just begun. 
Head over to avocetcommunications.com for show notes and more aha moments. Tune in regularly to ignite your integrated business and marketing strategies with Lori Jones and the Integrate and Ignite podcast.